as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Stephen Sanchez is the general manager for the North Alamo Water Supply Corporation. Steve, I appreciate you making time for us. I understand that because the water levels are low and river levels low as well, uh, you might be facing a situation, some some critical decisions in 60 days. Uh, Let's start again with... The North Alamo Water Corporation. Who do you supply water for, brother? We supply water to the eastern part of Hidalgo County, all of Willisie County, and about a third of uh, Cameron County. We are a regional water system. We've got um, seven surface treatment plants, which take water from the Rio Grande to, to treat it and send it off to our customers. We also get about 10 million gallons off of um, reverse osmosis uh, water plants that we are mining the brackish groundwater. And we provide water to rural people and also urbanized areas in, in Hidalgo County where the cities are growing their way out into, uh, into the rural area. As the, the ownership level has gone down below the, um, the recommended level where I guess some cities will, will need to probably kick in some conservation measures, we're below 25% in the combined watershed, Falcon and Amistad. Uh, that plus the low river level, what does that do to your ability to deliver water in your future? You, you mentioned the uh, below 25%. Yes, we have a trigger point of 23%. Anytime we hit that, we go into stage three, which is mandatory conservation. And we are uh, pretty much at that threshold right now. Uh, so that that's one thing that's hurting us. The other thing that's hurting us is, of course, the... Uh, uh, the water is dwindling now because uh, Mexico is not releasing the water that is required uh, on the treaty to provide water to our irrigation districts and farmers. And uh, so having said that, one of the districts has already indicated that there's possibility that they will be out of water within 60 days. So, so what, what does that mean? That means that the canals that deliver the water to our water plants, and in this case, this district provides water to two uh, water plants, the so one northeast of Donna and the one north of Ed Couch. So now it would be up to us to find a way to fill those canals up so that we can get our water to the water plants. So that is where the dilemma comes into us now. At the one in Ed Couch, North Alamo has invested about two years ago, two and a half years ago, doing an alternate line from another district so that we can have a backup source. That, that So far, we spent about $1.2 million in trying to get that completed. Hopefully, we'll have that online within the next 30 days. Stephen Sanchez, General Manager, North Alamo Water Supply Corporation. Yeah, Steve, Tim Sullivan here. So you say you need to look for additional push water, right? Uh, what are your options for that? 
Well, the options are, of course, working with the district. And we and uh, Randy Winston has called a meeting this Thursday. I'll be out of town, but my assistant will be there, and I'm going to be joining through Zoom. But th- we, we need to strategize because North Alamo is not the only one that's being impacted. The Delta area is being impacted at Couch, Elsa, La Villa. So is Mercedes. So is Westlaco because that district is the one that delivers water to them also for the drinking water. So we need to strategize to see how we're going to work this. Now, now Tim, and, and I'll tell you, when you say push water, a lot of people say, well, that, that doesn't make anything. No, it does. Because out of the Rio Grande, 80% of the water that's used in that is used by agriculture farmers. 20% goes to municipalities. So just think about this. That 80% is gone. Think about it, 80 gallons. To get my 20 gallons, those 80 gallons are gone. So we have to find a way to make up, maybe not the full 80, but about 40 or 50 gallons to get our 20 to the water plants. That's, that's a quite expensive amount of money and a lot of water. Second thing, if Mexico doesn't comply, they're not just hurting the farmers and the ranchers. They're hurting the municipalities because if we use up all the push water, all the water that's left around here just to bring it for this year, this fall, which I think we're going to probably make it by the skin of our teeth this year, well, what's going to happen next year if they don't deliver the water? There is not going to be any more water. There is not going to be any water to replenish the reserves for the, for the domestic water, for the municipalities, and for uh, water supply corporations like us. Yeah, understood. Um, one question that pops into my head is, that is if one irrigation district is issuing this water warning, and in this case, irrigation district number nine, due to low water levels at the reservoirs, lack of treaty water from Mexico, why aren't other irrigation districts issuing a similar warning? Because a lot of the other districts manage their water a little bit differently. They they don't have as much farmland as uh, as District Nine has. Uh, okay. There there's more of a demand for them, and you know the people closer to San Juan, McAllen, Edinburgh, a lot of that farmland is already being converted into into subdivisions. Yep. They're growing now instead of crops, are growing families. Yep. So if agriculture is not getting the water, well, because the city won't be, cities might not be getting it as well. I'm guessing the, the recent um, brief rain that we got over the area had a negligible effect on on levels and allocations and, and all that, right? Well, as far as the levels go, it's too early to say how much uh, was, was captured. And what I'm being told, Sonny, one of your guests here that have been before, uh, has has pretty much said it doesn't look like it impacted that much. What it did help, it, it helped our customers, the citizens here, kind of back off on their watering. They, and, and it really, really slowed them down, which I think is a good thing. It's a positive thing. I don't know how these things are calculated, but with the various districts that we have for water delivery, is there, I don't know, has there ever been any talk or is there a method where y'all can borrow from each other, share with each other, say, okay, I'll give you, you know, 50K right now, and next season I'll give it back to something like that where we can move the numbers around, shuffle them around a bit to uh, get that water, that push water over to the eastern uh, portion of Hidalgo County and Willis again. Yes, uh, there there has been. There has been discussion, but we have never gotten to the point that we had to enact it. So Mm -hmm. who knows, this year may be the year that we have to actually do that. So, again, we all need to, to work together. I, like I mentioned earlier, North Alamo is a regional system. We're interconnected with different cities. 
That way, we, we can get the water. We'll try to get it out to to their customers through a master meter or, or you know what we have in there. So there there has been discussions. Thus is the, the meeting that Randy has called for Thursday. Hmm. Meantime, look uh, to the skies, pray for rain, see if we get well, something. Well, I will ask you, okay. if I could add to this, Sergio, I could add a lot of the, the treaty that is very important and vital to us here. Now, every time we hear it in the news, which we, we hear more about the buoys up in Eagle Pass and all about the treaty, but we need our federal representatives and senators to understand that it's not only the farmers that are being impacted, it is our citizens, it is our municipalities, our water supply corporations, that they need to find a way to go ahead and force Mexico to comply, whether it be uh, removing financial aid to Mexico or adding tariffs for any products that are coming from Mexico. We've got to find a hammer to get it going, and we need to put that, that message out there. All right, Stephen. Uh, be safe, and we'll talk with you when, when you get back. Stephen Sanchez, North Alamo Water Supply Corporation. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Sonny Hinojosa is the general manager for Hidalgo County Irrigation District Number 2. And we check with him, our resident water experts, all things watershed and water level. So, Sonny, we have the tropical system. I already forgot the name of it. Was it like Harry? Harold? Harold. Harold, right. Um, did we see any positive um, effect at the watershed what did it increase above 25 percent do you know oh good morning Sergio. morning brother uh no that that storm didn't do much uh as of yesterday it appeared that amistad you know peaked uh on the 29th which is tuesday but that reservoir gained about 1.9 feet in elevation and falcon uh, came up about seven tenths as well but you know, I'm stuck about fifty thousand acre feet, uh, and and Falcon about seventeen thousand. So, you know, and it's it, it's hard to gauge until the final numbers come out because, you know, water's coming in, but but we're also you know releasing water from both reservoirs. But it appears that you know we had a probably a gain of at least sixty seven thousand acre feet, and depending on where, uh, which side of the river the the, the runoff came from you know if it came from the texas side well we get 100 percent of it and if it comes in from the mexican side we oh, get a third go. yeah so we're you know we're hoping to get anywhere from you know 20 maybe 22 23,000 minimum to you know maybe 33 35,000 yeah well, well without looking at many more numbers i think we can pretty much tell we've been playing this game long enough to understand uh we've been below officially below the 25 uh, percent threshold for the watershed here in south texas 
Um, it looks like it, it, we're not going to get back to 25 or go above 25 anytime soon. No, the the last official report was you know 23.38, and <laughs> and that was as of the 19th. So tomorrow we should get the the report for the week ending, you One, know, the 26. Two, and we've got to be hovering somewhere around 23 percent. Yeah. Well, we are officially air quotes officially have been below the 25% threshold now for at least two weeks. If you calculate, put into that uh, the, the lag, about a week or so. Yeah, so maybe three weeks already. We're, we're approaching a month now. We've been below 25%. Uh, is it time for cities to begin their conservation measures, try to keep a little bit more water in the watershed? Well, you know, each city, I think, has different trigger points. But I think the most common one is 25%. And, you know, I've only heard of a, a couple of municipal water suppliers that have implemented their conservation plans or a, a different level of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're always urging uh, conservation, whether it be, you know, municipal use or, or irrigation use. That, that should be ongoing. Uh, as far as municipalities, you know, they, they trigger different stages. So, yeah, we would strongly encourage that to occur. If they all started now, Sonny, do you think it would make a difference? Uh, like preemptively, and, and looking at the forecast, would, uh, I was speaking with Barry Goldsmith yesterday. He said for us and for Texas, it looks dry. 10, 14 days out, it doesn't look very good right now. And knowing where we are, where we're headed, the evaporation, all that, if they all kicked in, Brownsville, Harlingen, McAllen, everybody, everybody did something, would it make a difference? It would probably keep us from uh, from reaching a historic low you know uh, looking back at records we always rebound in late august early september and and yes i read i saw that same report that national weather service put out and it does not look promising so uh yeah we're gonna continue to to, to drop in our ownership uh irrigation agriculture has been used to it you know we you, you can't use what you don't have uh, and we would definitely appreciate, you know, the municipal water suppliers to curtail their use All right. because that's their water comes off the top every month when they calculate uh, the ownership of the water. Uh, that reserve is, is filled, uh, and then we, you know, we get the, the remaining water. Yeah, I don't know, Sonny. So I, I think it's time for the cities to I think it's time for the cities to consider a, a higher trigger point uh, just to play it safe. Uh, Sonny Inahosa, General Manager, Hidalgo County Irrigation District Number Two, joining us. Uh, Sonny Tim Sullivan here. Hello, if I yeah, if I recall, last year at this time, several cities, maybe I don't know, half dozen to a dozen, had already implemented their stage two water conservation yes. measures. Yeah. Um, and here we That's are correct. this year, and I think maybe a handful, only a handful have. Last year at this point, you know, uh, our ownership was 20.69%. So we were a little worse off last year, and, and perhaps, you know, that's why we had more municipal water suppliers implement different stages. You alluded to this a minute ago, but, but how does agriculture, or how will agriculture handle now the rest of the growing season with that dry forecast uh, and with no real gains in the water levels from, from Harold? Well, you know, our farmers are, are just uh, farming a fraction of what they could farm. They're just, uh, you know, it's too much of an investment to put seed in the ground if, if you know you don't have enough water to grow the crop. So our, our 
ag industry is suffering. And, and that has a ripple effect throughout the, the entire community because it's not just the farmer. You know, it impacts everybody that, that's involved in agriculture. And there is that other option of, you know, pressing, pushing, lobbying uh, Mexico to, to pay their share um, and, and get and that we, up to date. we have been. Yes, sir, we have been. Mexico is, is, is you know, 626,000 acre feet in arrears. Mm-hmm. And, and what's really frustrating is that, is that last year, you know, at this time, there was that little storm event, and they accumulated a, just a little under 3 million acre feet of water. And back then, you know, they were only in arrears, you know, about 420, 450,000 acre feet. And, and since that time, you know, that, that they stocked about 3 million acre feet, they've used 1.2 million acre feet of it. So the longer that the U.S. waits to put pressure on Mexico, the more time it gives them to utilize that water and less opportunity that they'll have enough water to deliver to us. So we have been visiting with our you know, congresswomen and congressmen, our, you know, both senators, uh, and it's right now it's, it's the ag industry that's, that, that's calling for these meetings and, and pushing for our State Department to do something to Mexico. Uh, you know, just because Mexico interprets a treaty a little differently doesn't mean it's a correct interpretation. Mm. You know, Mexico should deliver to the United States a minimum of 350,000 acre feet per year. So that, of course, it's averaged over a five-year period, but yeah. the only excuse that Mexico should use is extraordinary drought or an accident to the hydraulic system, and they're not claiming either one. So there's no excuse that Mexico should not be delivering that minimum of 350,000 <laughs> acre feet per year. And that's what we're pressuring our congressmen and congresswomen to, to put pressure on the State Department. To, to We have no leverage when it comes to water. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, we need leverage on some other aspect. Yeah, you got to squeeze another something that will hurt Mexico. We've learned through decades history, there's nothing you can say to Mexico to make them release the water. I, 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 let me just flippantly throw in there. Maybe, maybe we need to go like Cuban Missile Crisis thing. Say, hey, we'll remove the river balls at Eagle Pass and you release the water. Yeah, Something like that. There's really nothing you can say to Mexico uh, to force them to release the water. Uh, Sonny, I want to get your comments real quick. Uh, North Alamo was on air uh, a few days back. Uh, push water situation. Uh, ag's not ordering water. Uh, the canal's not you know, filling up with water. And uh, we still need some cities uh, serviced by North Alamo. And uh, how does how are we going to work that out between all the water districts to get some push water to the cities over the next 60 plus days? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting meeting. And that occurs this morning. Uh, yeah, District 9, uh, who's the main supplier for North Alamo Water Supply Corporation, is, is down to 15% of what they could have. And I suspect a lot of the water they do have is probably contract water that their farmers have brought in. So that district, you know, could run out of water. And if they do, uh, I, I know, you know, the letter states that, that uh, they could purchase, you know, water from someone else or push water. But the problem is that no one is selling water in, in that volume that would be needed to, to fill the canal system. You know, our irrigation districts deliver most of the municipal water, and, and our, our delivery systems are huge. And, and the amount of water that a municipality uses is, is very small in comparison to agriculture. All right. So that's where that push water term comes well, from. You need fo- ag water to push that municipal water. Yes, sir. Please follow up with us, Sonny. Let us know how that meeting went between all these water districts and some of the city leaders and try to get that water over to the cities. Uh, That's Sonny Hinojosa, GM for Hidalgo County, Irrigation District Number 2.
your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. That's exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she to judge? To stand up to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only News Talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. From Texas State Technical College Vice Chancellor, Gladia Hernandez. How long have you been with TSTC, Ms. Hernandez? So I've been with TSTC for about 10 years, but I've been collaborating, partnering with them for, for a lot longer. I've been in higher ed a little bit over 20 years. Yes, yeah, so you, you definitely have seen the evolution of the Rio Grande Valley economy over the past 10 years. Let me start off this conversation getting your initial thoughts on, on that specific, the evolution of the economy. We went from almost having nothing being ag and having some light manufacturing in the region just south of us in Mexico to all of a sudden... We are the tip of the spear when it comes to, on the private side of it, delivery of payload into space. we got SpaceX here at Boca Chica. We've got liquefied natural gas to be exported from the port of Browns. We have a final decision on that and so much more industry on the way and much of that at the port, which you're very close to there at TSDC. I want to get your initial thoughts on the rapid evolution of the economy here in South Texas. Well, South Texas is a prime place for manufacturing and other companies to come and relocate. We have such a great uh, population of a skilled workforce, a very young workforce and thriving workforce, as, lo- as well as being able to be so close to the border. So for us to be a prime location, we often hear in real estate, location, location, mm-hmm. location. Well, that's exactly what South, Tex- South Texas is for a lot of these manufacturers and a lot of these companies. So being able to see the the large investment in our community, it you know it brings such pride to be able to have been born and raised here and be able to see how our region is just growing, and more importantly, how we're seeing the strength through the through the skilled workforce that we're able to provide these companies. Companies are able to relocate here and be able to hire locally because we have the skilled talent because of all of the great amazing programs that we have here in the region. Yeah, we have such a young population as well. Through the years, uh, there are TS. STC, you and folks at Texas Workforce and, and, of course, industry and economic development have been able to tailor, fit some of the training programs for arriving industry. Just curious, is the phone a bit more busy th- these days? Folks from economic development offices, folks from different industries, and maybe prospecting the area saying, hey, how, how quickly can you get us up and running with X type of program over at TSTC? So TSTC is a statewide program. We have 11 locations around the state of Texas, which gives us an ability to be more nimble and more flexible mm-hmm. as we bring programs down to South Texas. So there's some there's some industries that are booming in other parts of the state where we already have programs that are fully established. And so because we are one single state uh, state accredited university uh, college, mm-hmm. we're able to actually bring programs down a lot more rapidly. So TSTC prides itself in being a rapid response at training solution for our employer partners. So we're able to do a lot of our training program 
depending on the need of the industry, we can do a non-credit training program that focuses on industry credentials, and we can start that up overnight. Uh, or we can have a little bit longer programs that are degree-seeking, your level one certificates or your associate's degrees, which we might have in other parts of the state that we can very easily relocate. In fact, we're in the process of investing over $66 million here in Harlingen to be able to bring in some programs that we have in other of our campuses, and as well as expanding and broadening some of the programs that we currently offer to be able to be responsive to industry. And for yeah, you carry such a wide array of professions and, and certifications. And I failed to mention even high tech. We got chip manufacturing, software development, setting up at a huge campus here in McAllen. We're hoping and praying that's the that's a domino effect. Maybe we can see one. We see others showing up, and and, and I know that you have also on the high tech side some some training. Care to mention to us some of the new programs that will be available soon? Might be available soon at TSCC in Harlingen. Absolutely. So some of the programs that we actually we're expanding and growing our capacity are any our programs in automotive, electrical line worker, wind energy, biomedical. We're also bringing in some electrical construction solar alternatives, plumbing and diesel programs, and anything that industry is actually asking for. You talked about the you know, high-tech and the IT world. Our cybersecurity program is recognized by the NSA and uh, Homeland as a center of excellence. So our students are going through curriculum that has been vetted nationally and endorsed by some of our na- national uh, partners. Clearly, I've done this vice chancellor at Texas State Technical College. Of course, we have our big campus here in Harlingen. You mentioned of, of some of the programs. Uh, I made note of electrical, uh, plumbing, construction of the 5,000 jobs that will be needed to create that liquefied natural gas export node at the Port of Brownsville. Yeah, that's going to be needed almost immediately over the next 12, 18 months. How, do you know how quickly, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know how quickly somebody can get certified in, in those skills to show up and say, hey, I, I would like to take one of those jobs here at the local level? Definitely. So we've actually been working with with the LNGs as well as their contractors to be able to build some of these facilities. So we're already having training Excellent. underway. We've partnered with various other uh, agencies to be able to make sure that it's made available financially to our students. And so if any, from our building construction programs, we have credentials that are as short as eight-week programs all the way to a two-year program. Our bread and butter, which is welding, we have over 150 welding boots on our Harlingen campus, but we also have a mobile welding trailer where we are training right by the port to make sure that we're being able to have those students be able to complete, go through a a 16-week training program and an eight-week training program and be able to go straight to work. Our megatronics program is also another one that is going to be very instrumental for once the the LNG facilities are built, now we have to do the operations of it, right? And so we have our mechatronics program and our process operations programs that will be able to to prepare the workforce for these jobs. We wish you continued success. Appreciate your time today, and I hope this is one of many conversations coming up in the near future because I know y'all are going to be real busy over at TSTC in your future. Thank you, Vice Chancellor. Thank you so much, Sergio. Clavia this with TSTC Vice Chancellor. Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay
stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. This is News Talk 710-KURV, this radio station, exclusive play-by-play home for Houston Astros baseball. Thank you to our many supporters, including FNT Valley Motorsports and Riverside Development Services and also Hess Air. UTRGV updates. President for our university, Dr. Guy Bailey, joining us again. Well, here we go, Dr. B. We got a new semester, and let's uh, focus on the high school kids, the juniors. That are on campus at UTRGV. Well, we have a lot of them. We have, yeah, we have three collegiate high schools, and uh, the one in Harlingen is several years old, and we have new ones in uh, Edinburgh and and McAllen. So uh, we're very excited about those uh, young people. They are excellent students. Uh, all of them will go on to college and and do very well because they're they're well they're good students who are well prepared. McAllen, Harlingen, Edinburgh, the collegiate high schools, at least partnerships with the school districts. Uh, in, in all, uh, ballpark figure, what is it, 400, 500 kids on campus now? Uh, per, per, yes, school, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, so, and, uh, so it's, a, it's a very nice uh, contingent of students. The high school population uh, is kept separate from the adult College population, to some degree, right? It's not the same classrooms. They get their own unique pathway to the no, university. No, we have a separate. We have separate buildings, and in, 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 ca- in the case of Harlingen, it's it's already opened up, and they're about to be finished uh, <clears throat> before too long in both Edinburgh and McAllen. And uh, I see. And so we we what we do, we build a building jointly with the school district. Uh, the first two years, uh, ninth and tenth grade, are high school teachers preparing them for college. But the difference is in the 10th and 11th grade, there are teachers. Excellent. Dr. Guy Bailey, UTRGV. we got a new semester starting up now. And right before we went to this new semester, we got news that pancreatic research at our medical school received a boost. You want to tell me about that grant? Yeah, well, we got a secret grant. And, uh, when you receive, uh, I mean, that's a very prestigious, difficult award to get. So we've gotten money from, uh, it's a cancer uh, prevention and research uh, agency, basically. It's a Texas uh, uh, grant, and then we've gotten federal funding for cancer research as well. So we're doing very well there, and we're very proud of that group. And, uh, of course, pancreatic cancer is one of the more difficult ones to to deal with, so this is very valuable research. There's a big building doing cancer research, setting up on, let's see here, it would be Jackson, or between Jackson and McCall. Yeah, that on 495, yeah. McCon there between, uh, yeah, uh, and Jackson Road and uh, and McCall. And actually, that's a, a can be our cancer infusion and surgery center, and, uh-huh. uh, and we'll be able to provide people with very high-quality cancer treatment, of course, with the assistance we've gotten from MD Anderson and uh, uh, and people who've had to go out of the valley for this kind of treatment will be able to get it right here. And it should open 
by the end of uh, 2024, and we'll be taking patients and uh, uh, we hope curing cancer by 2025. That is an amazing step forward in cancer research for the Valley to have our medical school and UTRGV participating with MD Anderson on this massive project. Might it lead to more brick and mortar, more buildings, more research, more treatment centers? Of this? It, it, it will. Okay. I, I don't think there's any question about this. It's the first step and not the, the last, the first stage and not the last stage. So you, you can expect to see more as we go along. And uh, it's very important. Some of our uh, Some of our residents can't go beyond the checkpoint, but they need cancer treatment too. Others can go. But, uh, you know, it's expensive it and, yeah. and it's, you have to go somewhere else to get medical treatment. It's always difficult. Yes, sir. Dr. Gay Bailey, President UTRGV, joining us. Uh, recent recognitions uh, we saw this summer. Let's see if we can get a collection of them. Uh, first up, uh, economic mobility recognition. What is that, Doc? Well, there, there is a, a group uh, called Third Way. And what Third Way does, they rate universities based on the uh, economic progress your students make from the time they start school till they're employed. And so what it does is look at, uh, at uh, you know, where your students were when they came in, where they are after they graduate. And we rank sixth in the United States for that. And uh, it's a performance-based measure, so we like it. And we're a second in Texas, just barely. We're almost tied with uh, A&M Laredo. But our students make great progress economically. So we're very proud of the fact that, uh, uh, and one of the, the things that's most important, they look at how long it takes you to pay off any debt you've incurred in college. Uh, if you go to UTRGV, it only takes a little over one year. And so at many universities, it takes many years. You've read about that and heard about it. But at UTRGV, uh, because you will accumulate very little debt, you can pay it off very quickly. And you can make great progress economically. So that's one of the keys. Another presser I saw from the office, and, and again, big thanks to your uh, university communications office. They do a great job setting up this. Does a great job, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so this one said, uh, Washington Monthly says we're number one. We're number one. So <laughs> what <are>. is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought that for a long time, and we're glad that Washington <laughs> Monthly recognizes it. Washington Monthly. Difference. The U.S. News and World Reports is based on prestige and the number of students you exclude. Washington Monthly, on the other hand, bases rankings on objective criteria, and it's the performance of your students. It's all a performance-based ranking. And so we think if you, if you base rankings on performance, we do better than anybody else. And what Washington Monthly shows is that we're the best in Texas ahead of some pretty doggone good schools are very prestigious schools. The one in Austin, the one in College Station, uh, the private school in Houston, all rank behind us. And so hmm. we're very proud of that fact. And, uh, again, we rank 60th in the entire United States and 30th among all public universities, first in the state of Texas. So uh, we're very pleased. But it's a performance-based, and, uh, and so if you – and one thing that they take into account uh, uh, specifically is the performance of your Pell Grant students. Remember that almost two-thirds of our students are on Pell Grants. Uh, we are second in the nation for the performance of Pell Grant students. So we're really proud of that. We think that this says that we serve the population 
of the entire Rio Grande Valley very well. And, and uh, we couldn't be prouder of anything. Dr. Guy Bailey, President, UTRGV. Quick comments on the purchase of the Majestic Theater. Oh, we need a place for our, our uh, performing arts students in Brownsville to perform. And so this will be that place. We're going to renovate it. Uh, of course, we got the building, that old JCPenney's building next to it. We'll renovate that, do a state-of-the-art uh, performing arts center. We think it will be a huge addition to our campus, a great thing for our students, but also a very good thing for Brownsville and for the revitalization of downtown Brownsville, which is happening now. Do you recall how many seats are in that theater? Potentially? I do not. Okay. <laughs> I do not. And, and we'll probably try to create more. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's know, part of the renovation process. Use a few more. Yeah, I got that's it. That's exactly right. A hey, quick reminder uh, for working people right now thinking about sending their kids over to UTRGV, uh, they might meet the income level where they get the uh, you know per hour rate the the Free tuition tuition, tuition yeah. right? So what is that's that? Right. If you're a, well, if you're a Texas resident, remember you got to be a Texas resident, and and you're a student in good standing, and your family income is one hundred twenty five thousand or less. You can qualify for free tuition, so I would encourage you to uh, to apply and uh, talk to our people in financial aid. You have to fill out a FAFSA form, and uh, they can help you do all of that. Anything you want to mention on, I don't know, the marching band starting up soon or maybe updates on the football we're, program? Got anything? Well, first of all, we're, we're proud of that marching band. Look for them in the upcoming holiday parade. The Christmas uh, so, parade. You know, we, we, okay. yes, right, we, around Christmas and, and, and I mean, the, the Charo Days Parade in, in Brownsville. Look for our band there. You're going to see the uh, Vaqueros marching and playing. And, uh, and, so, and then uh, our coaches are out recruiting right now. We, we've got a great coaching staff. He's putting together a real good staff, Coach Bush and uh, – and so I think you'll be reading about our recruits, and, and we're excited about ramping up. So this could be a lot of fun the next couple of years. You know, I should know this already, uh, but because of our basketball games, we probably already have a fight song, or, or are we looking at a new fight song uh, to be developed well, for? Well, we probably will do a fight song. We have an alma mater that yeah. we use, but uh, we'll have to put all that together. So. Yeah, and, Check with uh, the music department. Maybe, the, maybe they can write up a new fight song for the football team right. for, for all the programs, right? It, it, will have, it will have to be them and not me. Yeah, put some accordions <laughs> in there to, to be representative of South, right. South Texas. sounds good to me. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. From UTRGV President, Dr. Guy Bailey. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Heads up from our family at Brownsville PD. There's some scammers out there pretending to be 
with them, pretending to be from Brownsville Police, Investigator Abril Luna with Brownsville PD joining us. So what are these scammers up to, Abril? Well, they are using, uh, they're disguising their phone numbers and pretending to be calling from um, law enforcement agencies. So we've been getting calls from citizens stating that, hey, um, you called, uh, hmm. you're asking for for money to pay my citations or get rid of warrants. And we're like, no, that's not that's not us. So we're just warning the public, you know, to be aware of these calls. And if they're unaware, you know, if it was us, to just give us a call. Are these scammers actually following up on public records of individuals that have been pulled over, arrested, or something like that, where they're actually going for cash? They, they know it's potentially there. Um, we don't know for certain that they're um, actually getting records of people. We just think they're just using it as a as a method to to gain money have some individuals fallen for the scam as of now we haven't gotten anything because people are usually like very <laughs> they're uncertain if they should go and and, good. and pay <laughs> the money good. yeah so they they always come here to the station that's why we've been um notified like hey no that's that's not us yeah never somebody calls you to pay by phone never Ever, ever do Never. it. Never do it. No. Unless you triple, quadruple confirm. Yeah, then it's a legit, legitimate bill. Investigator Abri Luna with Brownsville PD with information on scammers actually calling folks in the Brownsville area and demanding payment for some citation. How long has this been going on, Abri, this, this new scam? Um, so now it's been going on for about two months. We've been getting citizens have come to the station asking, like, hey, you know, you guys have been calling me multiple times. And that's when we've noticed, like, no, that's that's not us. Is there a way to catch these individuals? Are you guys working to maybe trace these calls and figure out, even if it's local, you know, maybe you can track them down? It, it's very difficult because sometimes they're calling from foreign countries. They're disguising their phone number, so it's very a little bit difficult to track what the actual <laughs> phone number is. Well, the first indication would be the accent. Hello, this yeah. is Peggy. You need to pay your traffic citations. <laughs> Somebody, maybe it's the accent that will give that away. <laughs> so yeah, we just we just want to warn the people to to watch out for that. It's all in phone call method, right? They're they're not seeking payment through email, internet, or it's just phone calls for now, no, right? No, it's it's all phone call right now. They're disguising their their phone numbers, making it seem like it's our our non emergency number, which is a Nine five six five four eight seven thousand, or they disguise their caller ID, and it's just this Brownsville. Oh, PD. that's another one. So they actually are using Brownsville PD in yes. caller ID to fool people, yes. try to fool people. Yes, yes, they're using like some of our extension numbers to like records or a detective's phone number. They're using like they're disguising it to to our phone lines. How aggressive have these individuals been? Mm, not not that much. Like I said, it's been going on for about two months, and we've only got it like. Maybe less than five people that come in the station and to report that, but as of now, it's been it's been steady. And right. now that we have made the public aware, now I hopefully there's less calls now. All right. Well, thank you for the heads up. Anything else you want folks to know about this latest scam? Individuals calling on behalf of Brownsville PD trying to get cash from people. Uh, just don't fall for it. And and if you're unaware if it was actually law enforcement that's calling, you know, for information, just just give us a call to to verify. All right. Abril Luna is investigator with Brownsville PD. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710K URV.
Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.